we've all went through times where we have doubted, where we've went through fire. And for the last four weeks, we've been talking about grace under fire and how God uses those times of our life of weakness and brokenness and ruin to really shape the grace that he's given us. When we think of God's grace, we, we know that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, at least any man should boast. But we know we can't, we know we can't work our way to get God's grace. In fact, the only thing we bring to the salvation transaction is sin. We don't bring our righteousness or works. The only way we're saved is by grace. And we know that. Uh, but the grace that we receive for salvation is not a one and done thing. God's grace is in our life for sustainability, to protect us, to keep us healthy, to keep us out of harm's way, to bring us peace. God's grace is with us. Uh, we, we saw in, um, in Moses' account, God's grace is there for you when you have doubts, when you have questions, when you don't think he's going to come through for you, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to expect, God's grace is there for you. Uh, we talked about the uh, great man of God, Joseph, in the Old Testament, and we found out that God's grace was, was with him when his family had kind of flushed him and forgot about him. Uh, he was still willing to forgive. He was still willing to invite his family to the table. There was a call on his life. We talked about uh, Paul, he had a thorn in the flesh. And even when things don't go right in our life, physically, financially, relationships, spiritually, uh, mentally, emotionally, God's grace is still with us. Even, even though he doesn't change things, sometimes he'll change us to accept the things that are there. Today I want to go right back to the Old Testament where I want to talk about Abraham and Sarah. Now Sarah is a gal that doesn't get a lot of play really because when you think of Abraham and the story of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham gets all the, gets all the prime time. But I want to look at Sarah. Sarah was a, uh, in my mind, I, I see her and Abraham getting together when they were just young kids, okay? Abraham was about 10 years older than Sarah. And I mean, today we look at that and it's like, man, that's funky, you know? Uh, but it was a different time, uh, and we all, I, I, my mother, my, my uh, sister-in-law and my brother-in-law are like 17 years apart, so this is just the way it was, and I want you to know it's not too disengaged from the way things are today. But Abraham and Sarah, they didn't have any kids, and I think Sarah was one of those gals who loved Abraham. She stayed faithful to him, loved him, but the entire time they were married, they tried to have kids, okay, for a, a, a long time. Um, but she was barren. And if you've ever tried to conceive on purpose, it's tough. It, it can be very arduous. It's difficult. I can imagine Sarah counting down the days in between her cycles to see if she was going to be pregnant or not, thinking and hoping and praying. It's good to see you, Sarah. Hoping and praying that uh, this month would be different than last month. That this this would be different than it has in the past. And every time that day would come around and, and no baby, it would be one more, you know, gut punch. And as Sarah was getting older, no kid, and she keeps praying, God, give me a kid. God, give me a blessing. You know, God, God, do this. You gave my husband a promise, blah, 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 blah. And nothing happens. And all this time is going on. Can you imagine? Sarah wasn't, Sarah wasn't living in a commune by herself. She was surrounded by family and friends. Can you imagine the feeling she had to have had when her neighbor was pregnant or when her sister was pregnant? And let's just go further beyond that. It wasn't that she just didn't become a parent. She's 90 years old when we see this account. Her friends have not only been parents, but now they're grandparents and great-grandparents. She ain't got no stories about her grandkids. She ain't got no stories about her great-grandkids. She ain't got nothing. 
And so there had to be a point in her life where she just said, well, okay, I guess God's not going to give me no kids. So she just kind of threw in the towel and just kind of expected, well, that's not what God had for me. I'll just be content with being, being barren without having any kids. Uh, so she's 90 years old. Why somebody would want to have a kid at 90 or 50, I don't know. You'd have to ask Sarah or Bill and Sherry. Uh, but God comes to him, man. Comes to him in a real way. God says this in uh, the book of uh, Genesis chapter 18. So if you have your Bible, or if you need to turn your Bible on, or if you just want to watch on the screen. Where's your wife Sarah? They asked him. God sent a couple of messengers to... Uh, to oh, Abraham. Oh, she's there over there in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah is 90 years old, okay? She's 90 years old. She's listened to this through the wall of a tent. If you've ever been camping with tents, there are no secrets when you're camping in a tent, okay? Everybody hears the conversation. She's over there listening. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening to the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already what? They were already old. They had the double ARP card. They were, getting free, they were getting free coffee every time they went to scooters. Okay, that's just the way it rolled. Abraham and Sarah were already olds, and they were already advanced in age, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah did what? She did exactly what you and me would do. <laughs> what if? Yeah, sure. Right. So she's laughing. Okay? Abraham's outside the tent talking to these messengers from God. So Sarah laughed to her, to her what? Listen, there's not a thought you and I have that God does not know about. There's not a thought, there's not an emotion, there's not a reaction that God doesn't know about. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, dude, I'm wore out, my old man's old. How will, how, how will I have this blessing in my life now? Now I'll have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, they're outside the tent, okay? Sarah's behind the tent. She giggles. You can understand why. And then the Lord says, dude, why is your old lady laughing? I don't think Abraham knew she left. I just think it's one of those beautiful things about the sovereign, omnipotent, om, omniscient mind of God. He knows what's going on behind closed doors. He says, dude, why is, why is Sarah laughing? Well, I really, uh, why does Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I'm old and I love this. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? It's a rhetorical question, but the answer is no. There's nothing too hard for you. I'll return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. When God gave her and him that promise, remember how old Sarah was? 90 years old. Abraham? Yeah, 9,900 years old. Now, here's the thing. I mean, uh, Sarah didn't, wasn't a, she didn't give birth to Isaac with immaculate conception. God gave her a promise, but she still had to, she still had to perform. Still had to do something. Still had to go forward. And so she's saying, well, okay, I'm going to trust you. I mean, I'm just going to do it. Now, what I see in Sarah and Abraham's story is this. 
Sarah's laughter starts out with cynicism, and we've all laughed like that. Oh God, you made me a promise that you're going to take care of me and heal me. Yeah, right, whatever. If you haven't fixed me by now, I doubt if you're going to do it. If you haven't restored my marriage by now, I don't see it happening. If you've not repaired the relationship between me and my kids by now, I think that horse has left the barn. But here's the thing, when God's, God, by the way, God's grace gives us peace for all those situations that are unsteady, that are shaky, that are crunchy. God's grace is not just for our salvation, but it's there to steady, uh, steady us when, when things are chaotic and things are wonky and things are weird. I want to I take a couple of moments to look at what God does, what God's grace does when he shows up to steady us. There's times that God's grace shows up to steady us with number one. We just, we're surprised. God shows up, he answers, he reveals himself, and yet when he shows up, we're, we're still kind of surprised that he's there. Uh, when God shows up in our stories, it sometimes catches us off guard. I want you to remember Sarah. She'd been praying for a long time to have a kid. She'd thrown in the towel, I'm sure, man. She's 90 years old. And God shows up. And you know what she does? God shows up and she can't believe it. God shows up in an incredible way, gives her a promise, gives her a promise that she can eventually hold in her arm. But God shows up and she said, man, you're crazy. And then she starts laughing. When God shows up, people, people don't always believe that He shows up. There's another story like this in the New Testament. Dead guy by the name of Lazarus. They put him in the grave. His sisters are Mary and Martha. Jesus is out doing something. And they send word to him, said, dude, you've got to come. Lazarus, your buddy, he's sick. And so he, he keeps doing what he's doing. And he gets there, arrives. Lazarus been dead four days, stinking in that hot, arid, Mideastern Israeli sun. He shows up. Mary and Martha come to him, and this is what they do. Jesus shows up, and by the way, do you know what Jesus showed up to do? To raise Lazarus from the dead. He's the resurrection and the life. He shows up, and the girls can't believe it. Instead of happy, instead of being rejoicing, instead of worshiping God, instead of giving God the glory, they look at Jesus, and they begin to question, and they begin to have doubt, because they didn't expect anything to be different. This is what they said in John 11. They said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, things would have been different. If you would have been here, we wouldn't have this pain. But here's the thing. Jesus was there. And He was going to do something crazy and incredible and miraculous. But yet they're still giving the guy a hard time. When they're walking out to the cemetery, four days again, Jesus is saying, alright, let's get up here. I'm going to say, Lazarus, come forth. You all need to roll away the stone. The girl starts saying, dude, it's going to be stinking up in there. You're disrespecting our grave. It's your fault you didn't get here quicker. God's getting ready to raise this cat from the grave. And all they can do is cast out in fear. They don't get it. Y'all, sometimes God shows up in our life and we didn't expect it and we still stay in doubt. We still question Him. We still wrestle with that idea. God, if you would have been here. God, if you would have been here. And when He really does show up, sometimes we miss it read an interesting article this week. Every single one of us in this room, in the last hour, we have had one trillion trillion atoms in our body replaced. In fact, there are more atoms in your body, Selena, than there are stars in the universe. Every one of us have a, a 10 to the 28th power of atoms in our body. 90% of those are replaced on, a, on an annual basis according to an isotope study. Five years, all of our atoms are replaced in all of our bodies. This is how we live. This is how we function. This is who we are. 10 to the 28th power, by the way, is 1 with 28 zeros behind it. For the stars in the universe, there's 1 to the 20th power. That's 1 with 20 zeros behind it. You're more marvelous in a lot of ways than all the stars of the universe. 
Now, how many of you have ever had to go to the doctor to have your atoms replaced? Or have you went to the doctor and said, man, my atoms aren't feeling good, man. Is there anything you can give me? We don't have to keep charge of that. We don't have to keep track of that. We don't have to chart it. We don't have to journal it. It's just something that happens. And we don't give it another thought. In the time you've been here, you have had one million trillion atoms replaced. We ask God, God, when are you going to show up? God, when are you going to reveal yourself? God, when are you going to do something? And church, here's the amazing thing. We say, God, when are you going to come? But the truth is, He's never left. He's here right now. We get so wrapped up in all the frenzied things of life and uh, kids and jobs and bills and finances and careers and, and school. We think, God, when are you going to do something? God's all the way. I'm working in our lives. Is it, dude, I'm here. I'm here. So oftentimes when grace does show up or the presence of God shows up, sometimes we, we even doubt it when he does. But here's the, here's the cool thing. Even when you doubt God, it doesn't mean that He won't work. You think Sarah truly believed what the promise was? Do you really think Mary and Martha really believed that Lazarus was going to come out of the grave? Now, here's the beautiful thing. Please don't give me the stink face in your heart. Uh, God doesn't bless us because we're good or because we're faithful. He blesses us because He loves us. And he's faithful. And he's good. So when he shows up, realize he's just doing what he does. And when he does bless you, and again, church, every single one of us in this room, we're living in a prayer that's been answered. Every one of us is living with answered prayer in our life. Don't forget those times when God has come through for you in a powerful way, which takes us to the second point. We need to remember and build altars of past blessings. When God gives this beautiful blessing and this beautiful promise to Abraham, this is something that happens. This is what the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 7. The Lord said to Abraham, dude, leave your country, leave your people, leave your nation, leave the things you're, that you're used to, and I will show you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. He went and got all of his family and started going to Canaan. It's going to become Israel. There's already people in the land. Church, I want you to understand something. God told Abraham, I will make your name great. You will bless the nation through your seed. Here's the thing. Abraham didn't have a kid. Sarah had not been pregnant. And so God's given this dude a promise that there's no way it could happen, really. Not in the physical, not in that realm. But sure enough, God did something, and Abraham never wanted to forget. So we go down to verse 7. The Lord, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, which you don't even know about yet, I will give this land. So what Abraham did is he said, So I built an altar to the Lord so I will remember what God promised and so that everybody else will know the story. Church, don't you forget what God's promised you and what God's come through for you past about. Because the God who blessed you in the past, the promises of the past are still good. They are still valid. The question once again for us is simple. What can we do right now to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Don't be discouraged about where you are right now because the God who's answered the prayer of your yesterday will be the God who walks with you today. Remember that God is faithful to you today and He'll be faithful for you tomorrow. Church, there's not another person in this entire universe that will be as faithful to you as God. Faithful, more faithful than anybody. And the refiner's fire shouldn't surprise us. 
When we have arduous and difficult times when our marriages are homes, that shouldn't surprise us. But let me tell you something else. His presence shouldn't surprise us either. Trouble shouldn't surprise us, but either should His presence. Our trials keep us trusting God and burning out our self-confidence and driving us to the Savior. Last point. Here we go. When God's grace shows up to steady us, give God the glory. Give God the glory for what He's done. Give God the glory for what He's brought you through. Let's see how the birth narrative regarding Sarah works out. Genesis 21. It's 12 months later, a year later, whatever. Gestation period's over. She's given birth to a son. Let's look what happens. Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as He had said. The Lord did for Sarah what He had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the, name, Abraham gave the boy the name Isaac. And the, uh, to the son Sarah bore him. Uh, by the way, the word Isaac means he laughs. That's what Isaac means. He laughs. When, I, when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when, I, when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me what? And everybody who knows me is going to laugh right along with me. There's a beautiful story there, church. Let's pick it up. When she was in a previous chapter and God gave the promise she was laughing but it was but it was a laugh of doubt it was a doubt of fear it was a doubt of unbelief it was a doubt of cynicism <laughs> right whatever sure but now the promise that God gave her is the promise she's holding in her hand and she's laughing now but it's not the same type of laughter in the beginning. Now the laughter of confusion and doubt has turned into the laughter of joy. Aren't you glad when God changes those tears of doubt into a tear of joy? A tear that it was a promise and now it's a tear of promise fulfilled. That's your God. Sarah wasn't following some other God. It's the God that saved you. The God that... That gave her the promise and fulfillment is the God that gives you the promise and fulfillment. In fact, she gets to hold the fruit that God, the fruit of the promise of God gave her church. When we understand that, it completely transforms us from who we were to who we are now. We're not who we were because of the miracle and the grace of God. We should give Him glory for that. And you might think, well, Brother Mike, if you only knew what kind of person I am, maybe you wouldn't say that. Can you imagine where you would be without Jesus right now? Can you imagine where your life would be without Jesus right now? Or who you'd be with? Or be with anybody? You give God glory for it because He brought that to you. And I love what Sarah says. She says, God has brought me laughter. She giving, she's giving glory to God because she knows that her joy comes from the Lord. Her peace has come from the Lord. Her, her contentment has come from the Lord. So she's given God Glory. Have you ever experienced something like that? And you say, God, I don't know how you did it. I don't know why you did it. But I sure thankful to you that you did it. Whether it's healing, whether it's restoration, or whether your healing's on the way, or whether your restoration is on the way. It's a beautiful thing to give God glory. Church, if you're here today and you've yet to experience that beautiful grace of God personally, I want to let you. I want to invite you into the family. I want to invite you to the table of God's grace. Because here's the thing, we've all got sin and we're all broken. And there's only one fix. It's not a church, it's a person. His name is Jesus. He came to die on a cross, perfect person, perfect God, God in the flesh, died on a cross, buried, was resurrected. Because he did that because our sin carried a death penalty. 
all of our sin, Jesus took Calvary with him. He received all the consequences of our sin. We received the blessing of being forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Church, if you're looking for the grace of God, or maybe you're just looking for grace today, God has it in spades, and he wants to give it to you. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. My friend today, maybe you've, you don't know where you would spend an eternity if you died today. If this was the end of your road, you don't know which way you would go. Well, I, I love you enough to tell you this. None of us are good enough to get there on our own. None of us are, are honest enough or integrity enough or righteous enough. We need Jesus. And the way we're saved is by his grace. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. He just gives it to us. And you might be saying, well, Brother Mike, I'm not good enough for God to love me like that. Well, I got news for you. I love you, but none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. But I want you to take that out of the thinking that somehow you've got to help God save you. Somehow you've got to help God redeem you. Somehow you've got to help God restore you. Somehow you've got to help God stop you from being broke. Listen to me. The only thing you bring to this table is sin. It's the only thing you bring to this deal is sin. You admit it. Hey, man, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. You admit that and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Died on the cross. Rose again. He's the only way to the Father. And today I want to give you an invitation to give your life to Him. Surrender to Him. Surrender to His Lordship in your life. I just invite you to pray with me. You can do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. It's up to you. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. And I need you. Jesus, you are God in the flesh. And you died on a cross in my place for me. And you rose from the grave, proving yourself to be the victor, proving yourself to be who you said you were. God, today, I profess you as my Savior. Jesus, I profess you as my Redeemer. I confess my sin, and I want to live for you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. As your heads continue to be bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I can only imagine that when Sarah heard that promise about that baby that was going to be coming, she had to be thinking, ain't no way that's going to happen. I'm 90 years old. I don't even know if my insurance plan covers maternity at this stage in the game. But watch... What strikes me most about Sarah's story is that all she could think about was her life and her normal situation and her physical limitations and the boundaries. She forgot all about the fact that God has a bigger plan and a purpose. He can see all things, the beginning and the end, just as clearly as the moment. And what you're going through right now, you may be reacting in doubt. Maybe you're reacting with with incredulousness and that's okay maybe you don't think God's going to show up maybe you don't think He's going to reveal Himself maybe you don't think He's going to show up and show off maybe you think He's going to forget about you but church our job is not to erase the doubt our job is to walk faithfully in spite of the doubt oh I believe but yet God help me with my unbelief 
You may have doubt, but listen to me. Don't worry about it. God knows you've got doubt. He's not worried about it. He's going to show up and show off whether you doubt or not. He's God. Sarah doubted. God blessed her. You see, God's power is not related to ours. God's blessing is not related to us. It's all about Him. Sarah, despite her doubt, tried to have biological children. She may have thought it didn't work, but she doubled down the whole time and she obeyed. Church, your, your life right now may be off the rails. Maybe you're struggling with a, a marriage that's not working and you've been praying about it. Maybe it's an addiction issue that you've been praying about and you've not been released. Maybe it's a situation with your kids that you've been praying about and praying about, but yet the relationship is still estranged. Maybe it's an issue of job, job security or finances. I don't know. But today I want to give you an opportunity to come to this altar. Come to the front of the church and just kneel down and say, uh, uh, pray, to pray, to get things right with God. And when I feel like everybody's up here that's going, to pray, that, that's going to pray, that's going to move during this call to respond, I'm just going to ask you to stay up here because I want to bless you. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. I want to send you out with a full helping of grace today. I want to put blessing on you this morning for whatever you're going through. In a moment, we're going to start singing. And then today, if I could bless you, if I could bless you and just pray over you as a group, praying for an extra measure of God's grace for whatever you're going through, an extra measure of God's grace to give you peace for your time of unsteadiness. I just want to pray over you. Right now, we're about to move forward to the front to make a decision, to make a commitment to you, to walk in the fullness of your, uh, of your grace even when we doubt it, even when we don't see it, even though when we can't comprehend it, even when we can't uh, uh, sense it in our spirit or feel it. But we're just going to walk forward in faith. We're going to feed the faith and starve the doubt. So, Father, I pray for all those who you're going to call forward now in a moment, Lord, to just pray your blessing and your anointing over them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. If I can pray over you this morning here as a group, I'm just going to ask you to come, Brother Chris. What are we going to sing? Let's sing. Lord, I need. Would you come this morning? If you've got an area in your life where you're struggling with saying, hey, I need I just need a blessing I need a blessing I need a blessing to walk in favor and grace I need a blessing to walk in the, the the valley that I'm going through right now just come up love up on somebody grab their arm they're going through the same they're going through a similar fight you are get together get together love up on one another get together get up get up get up get up together get together in a group y'all good Lord I need hurry come quickly come quickly Come quickly, bless God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? The veil is thin this morning. The veil is thin this morning. I believe that grace will flow in this room like rain. Righteousness, oh God, how I Almighty God, in the name of Jesus, I lift up those this morning who've come forward. They're struggling, Lord God. They're struggling with interpersonal issues, personal issues, physical issues, financial issues, relational issues, mental issues, career issues, school issues. Father God, issues that we can't even begin to imagine, but you do. So, Lord, I pray blessing for those who've gathered in front of this church just as hungry men and women going to a well to be refreshed, to be renewed, to be restored, to be rejuvenated, to be uh, 
uh, refocused in their, their walk with you, Lord. So, Lord, I pray blessing for all those at the front of this church right now. I pray blessing over their lives, Father. I pray blessing for uh, the moment that they're in, the season that they're in. And, Lord, they may be in a season right now of, of tears. They may be in a season right now of struggle and suffering. They may be in a, a season right now, Father, of confusion and doubt and fear. So, Daddy, we're coming to you. We're coming to you, Daddy, because our hearts are hurting. Because our, our weaknesses are evident. So, Lord, we know today that we need to go to the one who is all-powerful and all-strong and who knows all the answers to all the questions, who's proven himself to be faithful yesterday and today, and there's no reason for us to doubt your faithfulness in the future. Lord God, I pray for your grace to fill this house. I pray for your grace to fill this room, and especially the hearts of those who came forward today. Lord, there's so much beyond our control, but nothing is beyond you. Father, through you we can do all things, but without you we can do nothing. So, Father God, I pray that you would bless them and keep them, that your face would shine upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every day is a dark day, we believe it.